Hello everybody, this is Tom with Living Truth. We're glad you're here with us listening to this podcast. We're going to be talking about other religions and we're talking about Islam today. And I have Michelle Jenkins with me. Say hi, Michelle. Good morning. Yeah, and so this will be fun. And what I've done is I've taken and put together a few questions and Michelle's going to kind of interview me, <laughs> but the questions are there and we're going to actually make it a lot more conversational as we go along. So we might go off script. And I told Michelle, some of these words are hard to pronounce. And so we'll just sort that out as we go along. That work for you, Michelle? That works. And they are hard to pronounce. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so first of all, just as I was thinking about this, historically and politically, socially, what a lot of us think about in our generation is we go back to the history of Islam when it kind of exploded on the scene with Ayatollah Khomeini back in Iran. You remember him? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. he was just all dark and there was this political uprising that took place in Iran from a secular society to this religious society and everything just went on lockdown. Yep. And so I remember being at a big Christian meeting uh, called Urbana Missions Conference praying for Iran and Ayatollah Khomeini in the late 70s. And that's when there was just a lot of turbulence mm -hmm. going on with that whole thing. Yeah. And then we have things like the Saudi Empire and everything going on with them. You know, really a country that's ruled by a family, the Saudi family, and all the oil issues and, you know, oil embargoes, not enough oil, too much oil, too high-priced oil, all those kinds of things of down control. through the years, exactly. And uh, then we have the Taliban in Afghanistan, and we've seen that, and there's a new era going on right now with Afghanistan, so that's very much in the news. And just over the course of the last 30, 40 years, that's kind of our impression. Of course, 9-11, how could uh, right. we not talk about that? Yep. And so I think a lot of us have had our viewpoints about Islam really oriented by some of these major political events. Mm -hmm. and, and the fact is that the average Muslim is an ordinary person that just goes to their church services, and even though they don't call it church service, um, but they go and they they worship and they try to obey what their religion teaches them. Mm -hmm. And the mosque, kind of like our churches, but I mean, that's for the average person, that's their experience, mostly around the world. I and, would agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, I spent a summer in New York City. I don't know if you knew this, I might have told you before. No. Uh, we spent a summer in Brooklyn doing outreach to Muslims that were there. We'd go around and knock on doors and try to meet people who are from Middle Eastern background. And then we'd invite them to come to lunch. We'd share biblical truth with them. And nice. just, yeah, just did, did that the whole summer. And then sometimes we'd have times where we'd do study. Other times we'd just have relaxation times. But that was a summer outreach that we had to Muslims in New York City and really got to know some very nice people. They would always, if they were, if they had food, 
they would invite you to eat with them. Oh, okay. It was just kind of their hospitality was their thing. Okay. And so it was a good experience. It, it, it was. And the only problem was when we'd eaten at 6 o'clock at night and then about 6.30 we went out and started knocking on doors and they started inviting us to eat. And <laughs> to turn Too them down food. was to offend them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. And then they're serving liver, which I hate. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> so I would I will eat a little quickly. piece of liver at one one place we went. Eat a piece of liver. Then they had served a Seven Up, and I just gulped down the Seven Up piece of liver. Gulped down the Seven Up. <laughs> but but anyway, I would have fed the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my point is that we're our viewpoint is skewed by all the political headlines mm -hmm. and. There are some awful things in the world that right. have been done by radical Islam. And Nigeria is a place where there's a lot of things where we read about schoolgirls abducted and just terrible, terrible things. Mm -hmm. and, and we could go on and on about these kinds of things, too. We could. But that, that just to start off, I, I think that's the wrong orientation to start with. So let's talk a little bit about Islam and so I'll talk a little bit about what it is, what they believe. If, if questions pop up in your mind, Michelle, just ask them. So um, Islam is the system. A Muslim is the person that is a follower of Islam. And Islam, the, the word means peace, um, even though, like I say, what we know of it is not always peaceful. Mm -hmm. But it began in the 7th century. We know the name Muhammad, and Muhammad is the prophet that started Islam. We'll get into that a little bit more. Muslims follow the teachings of a book they call the Quran, which supposedly was given to Muhammad by Allah, and he wrote it all down in Arabic. Seventh century, Muhammad, he claimed that the angel Gabriel visited him and that this happened over the course of 23 years. And during that time, the angel progressively revealed different things about, about himself, about Allah, um, Arabic word for God. And then that, like I say, became the book that we call the Quran, or they call the Quran. Um, the word Muslim, so Islam means submission or peace. Muslim means one who submits to Allah. And they have five things that they're supposed to do. Like this is five things that compose their faith. One is that they have what they call the Shahada. Sounds like a dance. Shahada. Mm -hmm. Let's do the Shahada. But uh, what it is, uh, they say there's no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. So who is Allah exactly then? Allah for God. Okay, so it is a god. Um, yeah, it would be the only god that they would say that okay. they believe in. But they don't use like they don't use personal ways of expressing who God mm -hmm. is. Like they wouldn't call God Father. Um, this is a part of the reason why they have such a trouble with Jesus being called God. Right. They just think of him as very impersonal. It's very distant okay. kind of God. Okay. Of course, that, I mean, that's true of a lot of people, um, people sure. in our society, that just God's just 
very impersonal and doesn't isn't involved in her everyday affairs and all for, for many people. Okay. So that testimony, the second thing is that they have five prayers that they see say every day. So maybe you've been at an airport or have if you've ever been around Muslims, they'll have set times, they'll roll out their rug and they'll face Mecca and uh, which is over in Saudi Arabia and then they'll, they'll pray. And, right. Yeah. I have seen that. Yeah. So that's the second thing they're supposed to do. And how many times a day do they do that? Five times a day. Five times a day. They, yeah. And they say the same prayers. Yeah. Okay. Third thing is giving alms. Um, I can't remember exactly what the percentage is, but they're supposed to give to the poor. Fourth thing is they fast, particularly during the month of Ramadan, mm -hmm. which is a whole month-long kind of a deal. In fact, their fasting is pretty severe. They don't drink any liquid from sunrise to sunset. Every day. During this month during called Ramadan. During that whole month. Yeah. And after they finish that day, about 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, they have this big feast, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Just well, they don't drink alcohol, but they're you know drinking pop tea, whatever, and yeah. just eating, eating, eating. And wow. so, um, I've actually eaten at one of those festivals yeah. at night before. And so it's it's just kind of like if we had Christmas holiday and mm -hmm. we'd invite people to come. And A little like eat India too does something bit. similar, right? Yeah. Do they yeah. call it the same thing? No. Okay. Although India does have a lot of Muslims. Yeah. The two places in the world that have the most Muslims, this sh should be easy to remember, are India and Indonesia. Indonesia, okay. Which both hmm. I and D. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so and, but it's very difficult to do that kind of fasting. A part of this, Kathleen and I were, part, we were required as a part of the program to go without food or water all day long. And this was a day that we were doing outreach, out walking around Brooklyn, mm. beating down on us. And by about seven, eight o'clock at night, we're like, oh, I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> and no kidding. I don't yeah. think I could do it. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah. I, I know I couldn't do it. Not without water. I mean, to have nothing to drink or anything, I'd be like parched and shriveled up. So I think probably their production at work during that month goes down quite a bit. I would, I would, I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the fifth thing is that if possible, they're supposed to make a trip to Mecca. They call this the Hajj and go there and worship uh, at Mecca. Hmm. So those, they call those the five pillars of Islam. So what other what other questions do we have that we want to talk about, Michelle? So it says here, what are the differences between Sunni and Shia Islam? So um, interestingly enough, this is a little bit obscure, but the difference is significant. So it has to do with how they think of Muhammad and the leadership that follows Muhammad. So the Sunnis think that 
there was a group of people that were uh, followers, leaders that weren't necessarily descendants of Muhammad that would get into leadership, whereas the Shiites think that the line of Muhammad are the people that are supposed to be leading Islam. Like, like I say to us, it seems kind of small. And they're pretty divided according to like what we see on the news. They are divided. So the Shiites are in places like Iran and the Sunnis are more over in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Uh, there might be some Shiites in some other places. Let's see, I've got it written down here. So there are some Shiites in Saudi Arabia, um, Lebanon. So anyway, that's kind of the difference. It's like I say to us, we probably uh, don't know a big difference between them. But mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about Muhammad before we go on. So, you know, Muhammad was definitely a historical person. And the reason why they, the Muslims go to Mecca to have their Hajj, their trip, a uh, big trip, lifetime, once in a lifetime kind of trip, is because that, that's where Muhammad was from. Oh, okay. He was raised by his uncle, and he became a merchant, but Muhammad then became a religious man, and so during one of his retreats, that's when he started talking about how he was visited by Gabriel. Um, and then he started to say things because in that area of the world, you know, like we look in the Old Testament and people have all different kinds of gods and things. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of the area of the world. Uh, Saudi Arabia isn't too far away from Israel, all that area in the Middle East. And so people would have beliefs in many gods. Mm -hmm. So Muhammad's big thing was belief in one God. And this is also why they're opposed to Christianity, because they think that we worship three gods. Ah, okay. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Mary. Okay. Really? Yeah, Mary. Okay, that's confusing. <laughs> Isn't that odd? Uh, that's yeah. very odd. Yeah, I so, would have never known that, I don't think. So they think it's Mary because... They've been influenced by Roman Catholicism, and they just, yeah, they just run with that, and they, they don't understand it at mm. all. And so, it ends up to really understand, Yeah. but this is part of the reason why they have such problems. So, Muhammad, he's trying to get people to follow these teachings, but he didn't have very many people that would follow him. And so a lot of these tribes that were living in this Mecca opposed him. So he moved to this city, Medina, not that you need to remember that, but there he found converts. He had 10,000 people in oh. this city of Medina. So what they did was they went to war against Mecca. So it'd be like if you moved over to Redfield, got a bunch of people, and then you attacked Adele. Ah. And that's kind of basically what happened. Mm -hmm. And so, so really for no reason. Well, just... well, because, I mean, partially, 
you grow up in a place and people reject you, you get angry, right. go back and you take it over. And so he's got 10,000 people now. That's that's pretty good. That is, yeah. That's pretty big. If we want to think of it in church terms, that's a pretty yeah. big church, pretty big number of people, especially in that day and age. Exactly. So then what they started doing is they started traveling around, going to war against all sorts of places to convert people and to force them basically to become Muslims. Wow. Sometimes he bribed them, but a lot of times he'd use terrorism, conquest, Sack the city. Fear tactics. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Of course, that's kind of the way the world worked. It is. Back, th back then. It still has a little bit of those tendencies today. Yeah, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> so he denies uh, Islam, Muhammad and Islam. They deny God as Trinity. They believe that salvation is by works and that you can never know whether you're saved in the end or not. So... They have the idea of a scale, and mm -hmm. if your good works outweigh your bad works, the scale, um, Allah might grant you life in paradise with 70 virgins. Oh, right, right. That's the part we usually all make fun of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But it's, it's a true teaching. Yeah. And I've never been able to figure out more, okay, what about the women who are Muslims? Right. Uh, I don't know. It's... It's very well, and I think we've always different. seen that women aren't highly regarded. Yeah, you know, so yeah. that always is a trigger for me. It is you know? for many people. Yeah, and like I say, we want to be respectful, but it's just there's some things that are very difficult mm -hmm. to accept. Oh, for sure. So the Quran is where all these supposed revelations were recorded all in Arabic, and so for a Muslim to actually read what they think are the revelations from God, you have to be able to read Arabic. Oh, okay. So someplace, but I think in one of my book that is not the Quran itself, because the Quran has to be in Arabic, but I think it says like a translation into English of the Holy Quran or something. Ah, uh -huh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, what else we um, are we talking about that would be helpful? So what is Wahhabism? Wahhabism. Wahhabism. My, my okay. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and this word sounds kind of like a disease. It does. You know. <laughs> so in Arabia, as far as much of Islam that follows the teachings of Muhammad bin Abd al-Wahhab, you Wahhabism. know, you could say it anywhere you wanted, and I would not know if you're saying it right or wrong. <laughs> I'm sure if I was talking with somebody who was a follower of Wahhabism, they would yeah. say I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> Probably. So they are, their big thing is purity in Islam, and they think that a lot of the current practices of Muslims are idolatrous and... They have a very strict interpretation of the Quran. And so this is where some of that violence comes out because the Quran does have statements of violence about going about what they do in a way that terrorizes people. Mm -hmm. But a lot of modern 
Islamic scholars say, no, 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 no. That was a different context, a different time, mm -hmm. and so we don't take those things literally. And so uh, th this, is, this is why Wahhabism is a concern in mm -hmm. terms of what comes out of there. So I, I found this statement. Um, the Saudi government supports the spread of Wahhabi ideals through financial support to Wahhabi mosques. In other Muslim nations, as well as in the United States and Europe, the 9-11 Commission found that Wahhabi ideals have contributed to the rise of terrorism. The European Parliament has identified Wahhabism as the primary source of global terrorism. So I, I didn't want to negate what I'd said earlier, mm -hmm. that the great majority of Muslims are just average, normal people. But there is this branch of concern, and some people might have heard that. Yeah, we've seen that at the 9-11 memorial um, was they talked about Wahhabism and about the global terrorism. It's on the walls there at the museum in New mm. York City. Wow. So it was kind of interesting as you're walking through there and they talked about that and it was like, oh, I, I don't even know if I'd ever heard of that part of it. You know, all they talked about was Saddam Hussein and all of that. I'm so. surprised that's there. Mm -hmm. Because people just are so particular about putting things, religious things, up. But yeah, but they talked about how it's a global terrorist. Interesting. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Then uh, there's another branch of Islam that I wanted you to ask me about. Sufism. 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 Yeah. I'll get this right. No, it's good. Or Sufism. <laughs> it, it's fine. Really, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong myself. <laughs> And so this sounds like it's, uh, this also sounds a little bit like a disease, but not as bad. You mm -hmm. know, you just have a little bit of soupy today. You don't have a right. hobby. Right. <laughs> and uh, Sufism is, it's kind of the mystical side. We might think of it like um, we have monks in the U.S., and that's basically uh, the people that practice Sufism are like that. They try to uh, deny material possessions, and so they're what we would call ascetics, very simple, don't keep a lot of material possessions. The one thing I think if I were to be a Muslim, I might like to be a Sufi, uh, not that I want to be a Muslim, <laughs> but... <laughs> okay, thank you for clarifying that. <laughs> but they're, they're the ones that you see uh, they call them the whirling dervishes. They do these dances where they're twirling around oh. and twirling around. You know how mm -hmm. I like dancing. And yep, so, right. <laughs> yes, you got quite the dance moves. Yeah. So <laughs> I will delete that. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, so the Sufis are, they're pretty mild in terms of just very simple, very con contemplative. And contemplative. Um, a person who sits and meditates, contemplates. Okay. okay. Just clarifying that. That's the contemplative movement. I don't know that I've ever heard that word, Tom. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. At least we learned one thing today. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> okay. Let's see what else. Uh, Ramadan. Is yeah. What we're so, talk what about. is, I know it's a month long. Yes. We know you have all of these rules, but what is the significance of doing this Ramadan for 30 days? So, it's kind of like if we were to go on a retreat or mm -hmm. take some time to especially focus on our relationship with God. 
I think that's kind of the idea. Okay. Is just so a little to, bit of a disconnect and exactly. just focus on one thing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. But for a month? That's for a amazing. month. They seek the mercy and attention. Again, I'm reading here this time. Uh, they seek the mercy and attention of Allah by fasting from dawn to sunset. They abstain from food, drink, smoking, sex during the daylight hours. Um, said that good works done during the month of Ramadan will result in a multiplication of the normal reward for the same works in other months. Okay. They're supposed to read the entire Quran during Ramadan. They have special prayers. Wow. And that, if I remember right, the Quran is like gigantic, isn't it? Like, um, it's about no, it's about the same size as the Bible. Is it? Maybe maybe smaller. Might be just the size of the New Testament. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But it's very poetic. It's all, I mean, we have some poetry mm -hmm. in Scripture, like in the Psalms right. and some of the prophets. But there, the whole, in the Quran, the whole thing is poetry and proverbs and all the, those kinds of things. But they do read the Quran other times, not just during the Ramadan. Or is that the only time that they would actually? No, they read it other times as well, or at least some do. I don't know what their level of Quran reading is. Mm -hmm. Wow. So what, what time of year does the Ramadan take place? Uh, it varies. Oh. So it kind of rotates. I think I think they have a, like a nine-month calendar. Uh, That's interesting. Let's see. It's the ninth month of the Islamic calendar, which is lunar-based. Okay. Based off the moon. All yeah. Right. So... Old times, people would follow the changes in the moon things, and so that's how they continue to mark their time. So what is the significance of Mecca in Islam? So Mecca is the holy city, it's the place where Muhammad was born, uh, located on the western edge of Saudi Arabia, if you can picture that or look it up mm -hmm. on a map or on Google or something. And like I said, it's one of the five pillars. He began in Mecca, married to an, a wealthy older woman and pro protected by the affluence of that family. That's kind of how he got his start was he had the, he had the money. Mm -hmm. And so that gave him a leg up. Oh, gotcha. Uh, I talked about... Badina, Medina, um, and what happened there? Conquered Mecca, removed all the idols, and they had this big stone. Have you ever seen that? The mm -mm. Kaaba. It's a big, enormous black stone. About, I don't know exactly what the dimensions are. It seems like it's about 20 feet high, 20 feet wide. Oh my. And this is the parade around this big black stone when they go there in their worship. Ah. And it's always been a little bit of a mystery to me in a religion that um, forsakes idolatry. They got this big black stone that they parade around and that's where they do their worshiping. More or less, oh wow. uh, again, reading here, current Kaaba is more or less a cube made of polished black stone sits in the center of a massive mosque. Wow. 
Yeah. It just seems so odd. I'm sure that's what they were raised with, you know what I mean, but it just seems so odd. I, I don't know. So then how does Hamas... How's that fit in? So Hamas yeah. is another political group. So Hamas is in Israel, and well, it's down in Gaza. Um, the Palestinian National Group uh, utterly opposed to Israel, and this is where we see a lot of political lot of attention it. again. And so Hamas stands for translates as Islamic Resistance Movement, okay. and so that's another issue we've got going on in our world and I mean that one has flared up recently in the mm -hmm. news as well. A lot. Launching rockets into Israel and mm -hmm. Israel comes in and tries to destroy their places where they have their leadership meetings and then they end up also having people that are just non-committal kinds of people that are there that are losing their lives as well. So would you compare like Wahhabism, Suma, um, Hamas, those are all like different cultures of the Islam faith, right? Yes, right. So it would be like Christianity versus Methodist or is that kind of, or yeah, how would you compare it, I suppose it to us? In, in our understanding, be kind of like the difference between Methodists and Baptists, Okay. different branches of the same religion. Mm -hmm. Different in this case, though different ethnic groups too, and okay. so the Palestinians would be ethnically different from the Saudi Arabians, and so. But they dislike each other more than like. I can go to lunch with any of those and be fine. Can they? Can like a, somebody with Wahhabism, and someone with Sufism? Can they like go to lunch and be friends? I don't know. You got to watch those Presbyterians. You know. I, uh, <laughs> that's another podcast, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if they would go to lunch together or not. Um, I mean, I think there. But there's are, a lot of discontent. I know there's a lot of things that I don't know, uh, mm -hmm. even though I know just a little bit, and we've been able to talk about this a little bit today. Uh, there's just a lot that I don't know. So, uh, I suppose they do have more in common than people that are not Muslims, but you know, a lot of times our viewpoints are formed by our own local issues, and right. so I don't know how much thought they even give to those kinds of things. So I think, you know, to kind of wrap things up, for us, like I say, there's one set of thinking for international kinds of issues and how we respond to those things. But we think about people as individuals. I've been saying that through this whole series on other right. religions. There are converts from Islam. Right. And people that come to faith because someone cared for them. You know, one of the issues here in Adel is that we don't have a lot of people from different backgrounds. But if you're on a college campus, you might. Or if you're in a city, Des Moines has Muslims. And so... Don't be scared by, you know, women wearing the coverings mm -hmm. or men that have a Middle Eastern kind of uh, facial and uh, racial kind of background. Love people. That's yep. what that's what God says 
And so. And most of them, if you talk to them, they're very pleasant. Completely. You know, I mean, like if you have an opportunity where you can sit down, they're extremely pleasant. They don't think any ill towards us. No. You know, like, like. We thought back in 9-11, we just thought right. they were all terrible. Especially people know. here in the United States. Right, right. They're here because they love the freedom that the United States brings. Right. And it's just really important that we recognize that and mm -hmm. be a support and encouragement to them. Well, the Bible's pretty clear that we're supposed to love yeah, our neighbor. Yeah, exactly. Even when I'm overseas, when I talk with a Muslim, things go well, they're right. positive interactions. So those are kinds of prejudices that we, we need to just check ourselves for when we're interacting with people, particularly from a different background than us. Mm -hmm. Agreed. This has been very enlightening. Well, good. Well, I hope um, if you're listening to this podcast that it's been helpful to you and helpful in terms of understanding our own faith the thing that um, we would do when we'd go out interacting with different Muslims in New York City is we'd actually invite them to do a Bible study. And then we'd talk about a little bit of the traditions of Islam. And there are some different traditions that they do, like they have a, a tradition where they kill a goat and sacrifice it and then things. And so, well, sacrifice was a very important part of what God sacrificed. Once you get talking about Revelation, now they don't believe that Jesus, whom they call Isa, that he would die on a cross. They don't think God would do that to one of his prophets, so they have a hard time with the idea of sacrifice on the cross. I already said, you know, that they have a hard time with God being a personal being, but individuals, they respond, and so... It's worthwhile to have discussions and to at least ask people questions and put some thoughts in their minds about more Absolutely. about who God is. And, and the whole issue of that we're accepted by grace through faith. Mm -hmm. That's how we come. We don't do it by our works. Right. I mean, that, that's a big deal for anybody. For sure. And certainly, but anybody and everybody. And we just need to go back to that over and over again that we don't come because we're so good or not so good, we come to God as we are. Right. Right. Yeah. So That's God bless. Stuff. Yeah. Thank God you bless so you all. Much. Yeah. Good to uh, thank you for being a help today. Really appreciated it. Thank you for helping me pronounce these lovely words. Well, <laughs> hopefully we got it close to uh, right. We'll, I think so. We'll see. I yeah. think so. I was, this was very enlightening. This good was, deal. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle.